Welcome to The Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the writer and editor of therandyreport.com, where you can find me every single day on the internet reporting on the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community and its allies. In this week's headlines, what can queer people expect from Joe Biden's first 100 days in office? Donald Trump takes a final swipe at LGBTQ Americans. North Carolina begins passing anti-discrimination protections again. Plus, two new commercials hit the gay sweet spot. All that and more in this episode of The Randy Report. With President-elect Joe Biden's inauguration less than a week away, queer folks may wonder what LGBTQ campaign promises he'll be able to fulfill in the often-referenced first 100 days. On a conference call with LGBTQ leaders prior to the holidays, Biden's team repeated his intention to order the reversal of the transgender ban on military service on January 20th, the day he takes office. The policy, initiated by President Trump via tweet in July 2017, could take up to a year to fully reverse. But with cases of COVID-19 surging across the country and an unexpected second impeachment trial of Donald Trump, other legislative goals might take longer than previously thought. The big-ticket item for LGBTQ advocates is the passage of the Equality Act, which would add sexual orientation and gender identity as protected classes to the Civil Rights Act of 1964. The legislation would ban discrimination against LGBTQ people on a federal level. The bill was passed during the last legislative session of Congress in the House, but Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell blocked the legislation from reaching the Senate floor for a vote. Initially, Biden hoped to have the Equality Act signed into law within 100 days of taking office. And with the Democrats soon to be in control of both the House and the Senate, passage certainly looks more promising. But the Senate Judiciary Committee, which would be tasked with handling the legislation, is the same committee that will now have to cope with the impending Trump impeachment trial. Now, that doesn't mean there won't be some action on the Equality Act front. LGBTQ leaders will probably see the Equality Act brought up for a vote in at least one chamber of Congress, as Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi has indicated she would bring the bill back to the floor during the first 100 days of the Biden administration. Once the Senate does turn its attention to the Equality Act, another hurdle will be finding at least 10 Republican senators to support the bill. 60 votes are required to overcome the legislative filibuster and move to a vote. Wrangling those votes isn't an impossibility, but it could take time. So far, the only moderate Republican senator to signal support has been Susan Collins of Maine. But she might have some second thoughts after the human rights campaign pulled their support for her re-election this fall and endorsed her opponent. Collins has been reported as being somewhat bitter over the breakup. Aside from the trans-military ban and the Equality Act, though, Joe Biden will also be able to advance LGBTQ interests through executive orders. 
For instance, Biden could sign an executive order directing federal agencies to fully implement the U.S. Supreme Court's ruling in Bostock v. Clayton County. That decision found anti-LGBTQ discrimination to be a form of sex discrimination and therefore illegal under existing civil rights law. Other LGBTQ campaign promises expected to be addressed in the early days of the new administration include issuing a presidential memorandum prioritizing support for LGBTQ human rights in the first week, restoring Obama-era guidance to the Department of Education ensuring transgender students have access to bathrooms, locker rooms, and sports consistent with their gender identity as well as naming a White House LGBTQ liaison to help oversee LGBTQ initiatives and a State Department envoy for international LGBTQ rights. And speaking of reversing policies, in the aftermath of the recent invasion of the U.S. Capitol building, Donald Trump's Department of Health and Human Services, HHS, issued a final rule that would allow the recipients of grant money by the federal agency including adoption and fostering agencies, to discriminate against LGBTQ people and those of other religions. The final rule was issued last week, dropping Obama-era rules that prohibited recipients of HHS grants from discriminating based on sexual orientation, gender identity, and religion. The rule change also removes a requirement that grantees, quote, treat as valid, the marriages of same-sex couples. The protections most notably affect adoption and foster agencies. The Trump administration has long tried to extend religious exemptions to agencies that have said they might refuse to operate if they're forced to work with same-sex couples or parents of minority religions. In 2019, HHS waived its anti-discrimination rules for a South Carolina foster agency that didn't want to place children with families that didn't meet the organization's religious standards. Rachel Laser of the Americans United for Separation of Church and State said in a statement, quote, The federal government should protect our country's most vulnerable people instead of issuing rules that license discrimination. People should never be turned away from the services they need. That's especially true for children in foster care and the families who want to provide them with loving, safe homes. Discrimination should never be funded or supported by our government, but that's exactly what this rule does. End quote. The rule also affects many health and homelessness programs, including funding for programs related to HIV and addiction. HHS defended the rule change, saying that the Civil Rights Act of 1964 does not require them to ban discrimination against LGBTQ people. Now, it's worth noting that if Joe Biden and the Democratic Congress manage to pass the previously mentioned Equality Act, which adds sexual orientation and gender identity to federal civil rights legislation, then this rule would have to be reversed. The rule is scheduled to go into effect next month. Hillsboro has become the first town in North Carolina to adopt LGBTQ-inclusive anti-discrimination protections since the state's ban on doing so expired. The Hillsboro Board of Commissioners passed the ordinance this week on Monday night. Hillsboro is a town of about 6,000 near Raleigh, the state capital. The move comes 
after the expiration of a provision of North Carolina's House Bill 142, which replaced and partially repealed the infamous House Bill 2. Now, House Bill 2, or HB2 as we called it, was adopted in 2016 and prevented local governments from enacting or enforcing their own LGBTQ-inclusive employment non-discrimination or public accommodation ordinances affecting private businesses or contractors and barred transgender people from using the restrooms, locker rooms, and other sex-segregated facilities that corresponded with their gender identity if those facilities were located in government buildings, which includes public schools, elementary and secondary, plus state colleges and universities. HB2 was signed into law by Republican Governor Pat McCrory. It led to a public outcry, a lot of lawsuits, and boycotts of the state, and ultimately, the loss of McCrory's re-election bid. When Democrat Roy Cooper became governor in 2017, the state legislature passed and he signed HB 142, which under a compromise... There's that word compromise so that you know where we're going now. It left the ban on inclusive anti-discrimination ordinances in place until December 2020. It also lifted the restrictions on restroom access for trans people, but reserved the state's right to control the matter. HB2 had been enacted in response to Charlotte's adoption of an LGBTQ-inclusive ordinance on public accommodations, including restrooms. Penalties for violation of the new Hillsborough Ordinance include a misdemeanor charge and a fine of up to $500. Following Hillsborough, the Town Council of Chapel Hill and Carborough have both also passed similar ordinances. Yay for the good guys! Russell T. Davies, the creator of the new UK TV drama It's a Sin, recently shared his thoughts about the importance of casting gay actors in gay roles, in an interview with Radio Times. He shared, I'm not being woke about this, but I feel strongly that if I cast someone in a story, I'm casting them to act as a lover, or an enemy, or someone on drugs, or a criminal, or a saint. They're not there to act gay, because acting gay is a bunch of codes for performance. It's about authenticity, the taste of 2020. He added, You wouldn't cast someone able-bodied and put them in a wheelchair. You wouldn't black someone up. Authenticity is leading us to joyous places. The official description for It's a Sin reads, Richie, Roscoe, and Colin are young lads, strangers at first, leaving home at 18 and heading off to London in 1981 with hope and ambition and joy and walking straight into a plague that most of the world ignores. Year by year, episode by episode, their lives change as the mystery of a new virus starts as a rumor, then a threat, then a terror, and then something that binds them together in the fight. It's the story of their friends, lovers, and families, too, especially Jill, the girl who loves them and helps them and galvanizes them in the battles to come. Together, they will endure the horror of the epidemic, the pain of rejection, and the prejudices the gay men faced throughout the decade. It's a Sin recently premiered on Channel 4 in the UK and should be available soon in the US as the series is a co-production with HBO Max. Gay former professional golfer Maya Reddy 
has said that Justin Thomas's recent anti-LGBTQ language reflects homophobia in professional golf. Thomas recently found himself in national headlines when he was caught by TV microphones cursing the word faggot after missing a putt during the third round of the Century Tournament of Champions in Hawaii. He later expressed his sincere regret for using the word. Reddy, however, says it points to a bigger issue within the sport. In 2016, at the age of 23, Maya Reddy qualified to play the LPGA's developmental tour, the Sumitra Tour. But, as she told Sky Sports, she ended up walking away from the opportunity altogether because of homophobic discrimination, which she said was heightened in the run-up to Donald Trump's election. She said there seemed to be permission given to people to say things and be more blatantly hateful. I experienced a lot of that on the golf course. I had tournament directors on many tours say xenophobic, racist, and homophobic things to me on the first tee, in the guise of a joke. Which makes it difficult because as soon as you say something in response, they question your sense of humor and say they're only joking. I felt like I didn't belong there and had to constantly prove I had a place on the golf course. Reddy went on to explain that while coming out publicly helped her personally, the ongoing discrimination eventually led her to retirement. She said, I ended up having a mental and emotional breakdown and had to step away from the sport. Reddy says there's an anti-LGBTQ culture embedded in professional golf. On Justin Thomas's use of the homophobic slur and his subsequent apology, Reddy says she was of two minds about the incident. First, she said, I think the fact that he apologized about it so quickly and with force, saying that this wasn't okay and that he should do better, is really important because he acknowledges the harm that using that specific slur causes. On the other hand, though, she felt frustrated that it was so easy for him to jump to that word. She said, whether you like it or not, because of the platform you have, you're a role model and you have to act accordingly. So I do sympathize with the need to shout when you miss a putt like Thomas did. However, the fact that the word he used was a violent slur against a marginalized community is really important to take note of. Why was it almost second nature for him to use that word? For Thomas to use a word that has been used discriminately and violently against gay communities with such ease, in her mind, shows that golf still has this culture embedded within it. A new Doritos ad tells the heartwarming story of a father who comes to accept his son as gay. The ad, titled El Mayor Regalo, or The Best Gift, is inspired by the true story of a father in Mexico who believed his son was gay, so he turned to Reddit for help on what to do. In the beginning of the two-minute spot, young Javier is calling his dad to let him know that he's coming home from college with a friend named Manuel. Manuel has no family to spend the holidays with, so Javier invited him. In the following scenes, it becomes obvious that Javier and Manuel are more than friends. Javier orders for them both at a restaurant, they sit really close together in the father's truck, they enjoy riding a horse together, and eventually, the divorced father posts his story on Reddit and asks for advice. He says that his son is trying to be subtle, but he knows that he's in a relationship with the other young man and worries that he doesn't want to talk about it. Later, we see the father thanking the internet strangers for their advice. The next morning, the father tells his son, I wanted to talk to you. I wanted to tell you that I love you. And Javier responds, What you wanted to tell me is that you love me as I am. 
His father nods, and they hug. I'm not crying. You're crying. Not me. Look at you. Tissue, please. I'm cutting onions. Whatever. Doritos Mexico marketing director Eduardo Cordoba said in a statement, We're really proud of the accomplishments that have been achieved with Doritos Rainbow. We believe the moment is right to show that our commitment extends beyond a proud celebration every June. Another ad getting a lot of attention shows a real-life gay couple intimately sharing a chocolate between their mouths. The UK ad for Cadbury Cream Eggs, titled It's the Cream Egg Golden Goobalee, was released last week. The ad shows different kinds of Cadbury Cream Egg eaters, and one category listed is sharers. That's when two men who are holding hands and spinning lean in to share a chocolate egg between their mouths while the excited announcer shouts, Sharers! Yay! We're down with that! All the other categories just show one person, which means that the gay couple isn't included as one of many couples, but is the only couple at all in the ad. Yay! And that brings me to the end of this episode of The Randy Report. If you enjoy catching up on LGBTQ news in a quick podcast, I'd appreciate it if you would share it with your friends. I like to think of The Randy Report as the 60 minutes of gay news, only shorter. And remember, you can find me every single day on the internet at therandyreport.com, where I cover the daily news cycle regarding politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community and its allies. Just a few quick reminders... Please wear a face mask in public, wash your hands a lot, practice social distancing, and take care of yourselves. Thanks for listening, folks. See you next time.